welcome back to another episode of See You Next Tuesday podcast. Episode 12. Yep. Where everything gets dumped into the water. Yeah, we just went <laughs> down off a yeah. fucking cliff. If y'all had been in this room for the past hour, you would know. Yeah. Um, so, um, well, first off, uh, that's Amanda. That's Jesse. <laughs> and like we said, this is See You Next Tuesday podcast. We cuss a lot and we talk about true crime. So if you can't handle either of those things, get the fuck out. Yeah, um, you know, we discussed crime against family. Right now we're covering moms. Mm-hmm. And um, so a couple of things that I wanted to get out of the way at the beginning because um, we cannot fuck around today because I got a big one that's going to last a while. Perfect. Um, go visit us on Twitter at C underscore podcast, C-U-C-E-E, Instagram, See you next Tuesday podcast, C-E-E, the letter U, next Tuesday. Jess does a great job on the Tiki Talkies um, at See You Next Tuesday podcast. And if you really want to email us, see you next Tuesday podcast at gmail.com. We would really love to hear what you have to say. <laughs> actually, you're saying it sarcastically, but it's true, actually. I'd rather. I mean, know if it's us. good. You don't want hate mail? <laughs> I don't want hate mail. Especially <laughs> after today. Just okay, let's just give a little backstory. So Amanda, first off, thank you so much. She cashed in her lottery winnings and bought us some podcast mics. I hated every everybody in my city hates me um, because I did it on the way to work and it was many, many little winners. And I turned around and the line was from the cashier to the front door. Gee, I wonder why everyone's cashing in their lottery tickets. Well, no, I was just cashing in my lottery tickets. Everyone else was just trying to buy their cup of coffee or their Coke or whatever. Fair enough. I'm the asshole that's like, here's 50 lottery tickets. I want my money. Figure it out. <laughs> Figure it out person at the, at the counter. Yeah, I'm the most hated person. So, yeah. But, but no, point is, thank you for doing that. So she's invested in two podcast mites. So I've been fucking around trying to figure out how to hook up. Two USB podcast mics to my MacBook, which I'm following YouTube instructions from this guy who clearly knows what the hell he's doing for the past hour and getting frustrated because my MacBook is not doing what I'm asking it to do. But does he know what he's doing? Because it didn't work. He had an Australian accent, so I am all in. So clearly that, that means that he knows what the hell he's doing is what I'm trying to say. You know what? If we were real professional, we would have figured this shit out before we started today. Okay, so like I said last night, that's that's what I did, but I only had one mic, and the one mic was working. I didn't have both. I know. And like I said, if we are real professionals, <laughs> if we were on episode 212 instead of episode 12, <laughs> we would have done that before recording this, day. This is true. So that's why we're a little aggro, and then, yeah. I have a migraine from allergies. Yay, Texas. God bless yeah, it's like literally the worst state for allergies. Hey, heads up, everybody who's moving here. Surprise. Don't, don't move here. Yeah. What? And allergies. the heat index was 106 today. Cute. Don't move here. But again, that's pretty normal for us. No, I'm actually surprised it got till now to get yeah. that high because it's been. No, you're trying to sell them on it. It's always, it's always like that. this. Always. <laughs> it's shitty. Bye. It's awful. It's don't come here. Don't come here. Stay where you're at. Yep. Life is better where you're at. It is. Okay. Ready? I said no fucking around today because I'm going to take you on a very long journey. Okay, let's go. Remember 
when I told you the last time I told you that and we had to cut it into two parts? Yes. Because I watched an entire trial. Is this longer than the trial? I read a book. God, girl. You just keep overachieving and making me look like I'm not doing my homework. Mm. You're like that girl in the group project that actually does the group project and I'm the one that's like, oh good, it's done. Cool, throw my name on that. Yes. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way. So, um... No fucking around, because I'm going to tell you about, ready? Dun, 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 dun. Betty Lou Beats. Oh my gosh. Who is that? AKA the Black Widow of Texas. Oh, fuck. Ooh, I love a good Black Widow. <laughs> Hell yes. Okay, I'm, t- I'm in. I'm, I got my energy drink. Yes, I'm drinking an energy drink. It has been that week. So we I realized I flip-flop between Texas and Florida. I have not gone outside of either one of those states. They're pretty fucking bad shit. Let's be real. So, Betty Lou Beats was actually born Betty Lou Duvant, March 12th, 1937, mm. to Margaret Louise Smithwick and James Garland Duvant um, in Roxbor- Roxboro, North Carolina. Okay. She was the second oldest of four. She had an older brother, Dewey, a younger brother, Jimmy. <laughs> I know, Dewey. <laughs> Continue. Um, younger brother Jimmy, who was born when Betty Lou was eight, and a younger sister Jackie, who was born when she was ten. Oh, and FYI, I don't know if they just called her Betty, but I am going to refer to her this entire time as Betty Lou. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I think the book only called her Betty. Okay, first, do you want to say the name of the book or you want to wait to the end? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I was going to say, name the book because like... The fact that you read a whole fucking book is insane. Um, Buried Memories by Irene Pence. You can get it on Amazon for your Kindle. Nice. Um, I really just wanted to read you guys the entire book. Um, My pod hubby said I wasn't allowed to do that. So here we are. This is the abridged version. This is like the um, Reader's Digest version for anybody who's old enough to remember those. Yes. And I actually did have a couple of other sources we'll put in the notes um but the book gives you way more detail you love it okay go continue okay Um, so we're at 1937 she's got family siblings siblings. blah 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 blah. betty lou got it so um her parents margaret and james they were struggling to make ends meet as sharecroppers on a tobacco farm Mm -hmm. 1937 sharecroppers you know that very yeah common thing so the family basically lived in a shack it was a quote-unquote cabin but there was no electricity, no running water. There was no glass in the windows. What now? No glass in the windows. No glass in the windows. 1937. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. And they survived on salt pork, flour, and meal. So there was no, like, nutrients, no balanced dinners, nothing. Yeah, it's hard times. Um, so she didn't have the best upbringing. And their only source of heat was a coal stove that normally would heat the entire cabin because it was small, but since there was no glass in the windows, the heat just escaped right. out the holes in the walls. Right, of course. So um, when winter came and all the tobacco had been harvested, Margaret, she would actually take on work as a domestic for the wealthy in town. Okay. So, you know, she was doing her best to live their best life, which was not the best life. Right, difficult. Um, but she would come home and she would describe the houses of the wealthy to Betty Lou. 
And she would tell her about all the beautiful things in these homes that she worked in. And she would tell Betty Lou um, things were going to get better for them. Okay, so she's like, she's a mom trying to give her daughter hope. Like, hey, look, just because they got it doesn't mean that we can't get there eventually, too. That's that's good. That seems like a, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. Yeah. life can always get better. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? That's why we're doing a true crime podcast, because at the end of this, what we learn is you live, you laugh, you love, you find friendships along the way. And you murder someone. And then, yeah, usually. So, <laughs> Betty Lou alleges and i say alleges because i don't know if it really happened that when she was five ship sp 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 oh okay so there's a lot of trigger warnings up in this one ship potholes so for our new listeners yeah we probably should describe that um we didn't really like trigger warning nah kind of triggers us actually (laughs) yes so we came up with the term ship pothole yeah and then Jess decided to shorten it to SP and steal it from the Scientologist. Come at me, bitch. I'm scared of them. She's not. I'm um, not. Come at me. So we use the term SP, shit pothole, to let you know something is coming up that might be upsetting to some viewers or mm-hmm, listeners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So shit pothole warning. SP warning. Betty Lou alleges when she was five, she was sexually abused by her father. Oh, honey. Okay, real quick. I'm sorry. I didn't realize this book was written by her. She wrote this book? No, no, no. Irene oh. Pence. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Duh, Jessica. Irene Pence. Oh, my God. Don't steal that from Irene and give it to Betty Lou. I'm You're... so sorry, Irene. Ugh, continue. We're not giving this to Betty Lou. Continue. Um, yet again, we don't victim blame. We don't say things don't happen. Correct. I just couldn't verify what she was saying that yes got it so i that's why i'm using allegedly got it that same year though the family moved to hampton either hampton or danville virginia i don't know which city because i read both places in different resources okay so um for her dad to get a job at the langley research center as a machinist and her mom got a job at the cotton mills Okay, so things, moving up. Yeah, things are looking up because they've gotten out of the shack. They're in like um, a better living situation. Yeah. But unfortunately, this is about the time Betty Lou came down with the measles. Oh. Now, I also read that she had the measles at age three. So it was either three or five. Yet again. She's young. It, it's back in the day. Right. Yeah. Got it. Not a lot of documentation. hmm But um, the measles, she became very sick. It covers it in the book. I want to tell you more about it. Pod husby, hubby rain man. What you need to know is it just left her with hearing loss. Oh, geez. Okay. So when Betty Lou, re- Betty Lou returned to school... It was very difficult for her, and she felt disconnected from the other students. Yeah. Um, because of that. And by the time she reached the fourth grade, her teachers felt like it'd be best for her if she repeated that grade. Right. Because also at the time, this was before, like, you know, diagnosing children with, you know, things like learning disabilities and, and, and being able to teach to the kids with learning disabilities. Well, and, you know, and it basically it was just her hearing loss. That right. She's, you know, she struggled with and she couldn't 
she, if you can't hear the teacher, it's and she, difficult and to... And she didn't have, like, a hearing aid, and I right. don't think yeah. she was completely deaf, mm-hmm. but it just was hard for her. Yeah. This, I mean, yeah, cut her some slack, y'all. So, she was being held back. She was embarrassed. She was humiliated. Yeah. And she was also bullied by her former classmates that were now a grade above her. Right. You know, they bullied her. They called her stupid. Um... So, poor baby Betty Lou, she never said anything, and she just hurried on by them, but she believed what they were saying to her. Oh, honey. Don't listen to fucking haters. Fuck them. So, we do feel bad for baby Betty Lou. Absolutely. I want to hold poor baby Betty Lou, because you know what? That's the thing. is like, you're at such an impressionable age. You do believe what people say about you, because you are learning your perception of yourself. So it's hard to go, wait, and, no, that's and not me. she's not telling anyone it's happening. Right. And of course, it's just, you're a kid. You don't know how to cope with this kind of information coming at you. So yeah, fair enough. And one would hope things would get better. But we're... But we're a true crime we're podcast. We're a true crime podcast and we know better than that. <laughs> and so when she was 12... Her mom suffered a psychotic break in reality while she was at work. Ooh. And so the mill called an ambulance and she was rushed to the hospital where she had to stay for a week. And then she was able to return home. She was given medications and the doctor came by frequently. But then she started suffering from hallucinations with strange voices in her head, which caused her to become hysterical. Schizophrenia? I don't know. Because it appears later in... In later age, like it's very hard, you know, to diagnose. So all this scared Betty Lou, and she was worried that she could inherit this condition. Mm -hmm. Um, And over the next year, Margaret's condition began to get worse, Mm -hmm. and she had to be institutionalized at the Eastern State Hospital in Virginia. Oh, God. And so she was there for three months. Where they administered shock therapy. Oh my God. And 17 ra- rounds of deep insulin coma therapy. Oh no. Oh no. They Did they put her under like, like so, a... Like le- a- <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew this was coming. I knew. I knew. So let me tell you what deep insulin coma therapy is. It's exactly what it sounds like. They repeatedly inject patients with large doses of insulin in order to produce daily comas over several weeks. Why the fuck would you do that? What is it supposed to do? Because it's the 40s and they don't know what to do. So you just like, you know what? Let's just take this person in and out of comas for the next couple of months. Let's just, you know, just sprinkle some of that on there. Along with shock therapy. Oh my God. I knew you were going to love Betty Lou. And and this is, y'all, like that's like fucking, like a horror movie. Yes, kind of. So, um, wow. Unfortunately, Betty Lou's classmates found out about her mom's health oh issues. God. And they bullied her, didn't they? Gave them more, ammuni- more ammunition for her bullying. Of course. And school got worse. Yeah. So by 13, Betty Lou was doing all of the cooking and the cleaning for the family. She hated it. She had dropped to 80 pounds. Oh my God. So healthline.com says the average weight for a 13 year old female in the 50th percentile is 101 pounds. 
Yeah, so she's way underweight. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so exhausted that she frequently missed class. On top of the housework, her trouble with school, and her mom's mental health issues, her dad began, began drinking heavily. And, um, y'all, that's not the answer. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? Be incapacitated all day. And my daughter's going to have to raise my children. Yes, because he was trying to overcome his own depression about his wife's condition because alcoholism is the answer to depression. Y'all. So, <laughs> mental health is important. Mm-hmm. On top of that, he was beating Betty Lou. Oh, my God. With the buckle of his belt. <laughs> so, he would... Um, he, he's beating her. Uh-huh. So, she would be obedient. Naturally. Well, again, this is, you know, the 40s, the 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all Betty Lou really dreamed about was escaping the hell she was living in yeah that's all she wanted to do yeah at this point she's like you know what fish or cut bait it's called cut bait i'm out of here bye well july 18th 1952 when betty lou was 15 after she finished the ninth grade she married her first husband 18 year old robert franklin Branson. very similar to gertrude gotta get out of here fuck it i'm gonna marry the first guy i see and get me the fuck out of here Period, right? Get it. I mean, hey. Robert, he worked at the zipper factory. Great. <laughs> um, so, what was it? Was it? There's a YKK on your zipper. That was a fucking line from, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for real. Outcast. Mm. That was an outcast lyric. Yeah. Just reminded me of that. Mm, that's I wonder nice. if it was the YKK factory or whatever the hell. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Ready for some more fucked upness? SP's coming up. Not an SP, but okay. But this just is gonna blow crazy your, shit. This is gonna blow your mind. So Betty Lou's mother, Margaret, she actually encouraged her to marry Robert because Betty Lou, she hadn't even had her first period yet, but her mother was afraid she was pregnant, so she encouraged her to marry Robert. Because she hadn't had her period. So... Even though Betty insisted she was still a virgin. So her her mom is thinking that being married would make her have... I'm confused. So... I'm very confused by that. Well, Betty... Thing. Okay, she hadn't had her period. So her mom right. thinks she's pregnant because she hadn't had her period. Oh, so... Okay, got So it. even though Betty Lou's like, no, I'm a virgin, I'm a virgin, I haven't had sex. Her mom's like, you have to be pregnant, you haven't had a period. So not, therefore marry this guy mm-hmm. who allegedly got you pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, yes. Okay, because I'm like, yeah, no, some people just don't have their periods until like late. Like yeah. 18, 19, and 20. And of course she hasn't had her period yet because she's so... Mm-hmm, and malnourished. Got it. Okay. Obviously, Margaret. But of course, she is mentally ill. So yeah. So why? Yeah. Also, why are we taking advice from the mom from the mental hospital at this point? Yeah. I'm just saying. Like. Yeah, we shouldn't. So, at 16, Betty Lou had a first child, Faye. Okay. Wait. So at 18, she got married. Oh no no. At 15, she got married. Oh, or... at 15, she got married to an 18 year old guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. At 16, she actually did get pregnant. Yes. Okay. With her first child, Faye. Got it. And Betty Lou was not happy about being married and having her child. She felt like she left one fucked up situation for another. Yep. And she would run into former classmates and see them doing normal teenage things. 
and she felt like she was missing out. So the couple got into an argument and there was some sort of misunderstanding. I don't know what that misunderstanding was. I couldn't find it. Oh, okay. Again, documentation. There was no Googles. Right, right. Um, so the couple separated for six months. Okay. Um, now, Betty Lou did claim the marriage was abusive. Um, I did read it in one source, but not in others. So... Again, allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. So during the couple's situation, Betty Lou took Faye and moved back into her parents. And she fell into a deep depression, which, you know, we can kind of see a pattern here with the family and... Right. Things like that. Yeah. And so while she was depressed, she attempted suicide by taking two bottles of aspirin. Um... Okay. Well, she's not going to have pain for a while. I mean, she might puke a little bit. That's not that, going to do anything. Well, right. I, I mean, not that it, aspirin's not going to kill you. <laughs> Knowing what I know about Betty Lou, I kind of feel like this, she knew that and it was for attention, but. Okay. Well, oh, wait, we're just going to move Are on. you like taking away the curtain for me a little bit there? Are you just... like peeking under the, the dress as it were? No, we don't victim blame here. Um, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, do you think that it, you're, so you're saying that. Maybe what she's saying cannot be trusted. I'm just saying we're going to move on. Okay. So okay. What okay. did Betty Lou's parents do? Do you think they took her to the hospital? Do you think they got her some mental health? They told her to go back to her husband and be a good wifey. They called Robert. Oh, God. And told him about her suicide attempt. And he rushed to her side hmm. and talked her into a reconciliation. Hmm. So. Yeah, that always ends well. In 1954, at 17, Betty Lou had her second child, Connie. Honey, no, no, no. This is not, the first one didn't solve anything. And the pair moved to Mesquite, Texas. Whoop, whoop, you brought the crazy to Texas. Oh, God. They were hoping to make a new start, and, ha and Robert was going to find a higher-paying construction job. Okay. Because, I guess, construction pays better than the zipper factory. Okay, sure. sure. 1959, Betty Lou was 22, had her third child, Shirley. Okay, we're just going all in now. She's like, you know what, F it, I'm married, let's do this thing, we're having kids. Okay. 1962, fourth child, Phyllis. Oh my god. When she was 25. Okay. 1964, fifth child, Stop. Robert Franklin Branson II, when she was 27. <sighs> 1966, at 29, her sixth child, Bobby. That's sixth. Children in 13 years. Oh, my God. We all know my theory. Yeah, I don't disagree with that theory. I don't. I think that the... If you're new here, my theory is <laughs> women who have all these children in such a time, small time frame, back to back to back to back, they all go homicidal. I mean, shit. You, how many, you have three kids. How are you not homicidal? <laughs> Um, they're five years apart. <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> you spaced them out enough to where you're like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and then sometimes I think people are going to die. But anywho, <laughs> you digress. <laughs> so even though Betty Lou was a mother to six, she still had her figure. Good for her. You work it, girl. Keep it tight. And she dressed to emphasize it. Her small waist, her giant chi-chis. Gee, <laughs> um, Why can't you just say titties? 
I love Chi Chi's better. You like Chi Chi's? I really kind of want to take a picture of my notes so everyone can see the fact I typed large Chi Chi's. You actually, I'm looking. Oh, and it's not, okay, so it's like two words, Chi Chi's. Yes, small waist and large Chi Chi's. <laughs> Great. It says large chi <laughs> It does actually say it. <sighs> and it said she applied makeup like a professional, wore Ugh. four inch heels to make her five foot two inch frame look taller. Scandalous. She bleached her hair and <gasps> got perms to give it a fluffy appearance. Texas hair. Hell yeah. Do I need to tell you Betty Lou likes to have a good time? I, I don't think so. No, after what you just said, if she's not having a good time, then she's doing something wrong. Because she's snatched. As we like to say. She was, this is, okay, last child, Bobby, in 1966. I mean, she's like 1967. Oh, yeah. That's like a primo era to look hot mm-hmm. as shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Big-ass hair. Mm-hmm. Farrah Fawcett would play her in the movie. Oh, absolutely. In fact, did she? I don't know. God dang it. I didn't... I read a book. I didn't have time to look up movies. What, you didn't watch a movie too? Wow. Wow. Underachiever. God. Next Unbelievable. Week. Next week. <laughs> we're spiraling out of control. We're not even drunk this week. No, we're not. Normally we're drunk. Um, so she would have her older children babysit the younger children so she could go to, ready for this? The Silver Slipper Bar in East Dallas. Oh my God. Please tell me it's still there. I don't know. I'm looking it up. Continue talking. So she would start having fun, the fun. So she started having the fun she missed out on as a teenager. And she really enjoyed the attention she got from men. Yeah. Of course, of course she did. Yeah, because she's finally living life, you know, that she was like striving for. Yeah. Right? Eventually, her nights, her nights out became a source of contention at home between her and Robert. Boo, Robert. Let her live her life. I mean, my pot hubby would not want me going out with my chi-chis hanging out to the bar. Well, then go with her. So, in 1969, Robert demanded a divorce from Betty Lou. Good. And this is when Betty Lou started drinking. Oh, there it is. Robert married a younger woman shortly after the divorce. Naturally. Betty Lou got full custody of the children. Let me tell you how much money she got a month in child support. $350 in 1969 money. Do you want to know how much that is in today's money? That's a lot. $2,568. That's a lot of money. It is. But Betty Lou would cry about missing Robert. And the kids would say, the kids would say they think their mother... Never seemed happy with anyone else after that. And also, all the family traditions ended after the divorce. Oh, wow. And to forget her problems, she, you know, would go spend her nights drinking and dancing and club hopping because that's what ended her divorce, so why would she stop that? And the family also began to fall apart. Faye, the oldest, she got married at 15 just like Betty Lou and moved out. I mean, why would she want to live at home with her mother and continue to raising her mother's kids? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, then Betty Lou sent 10-year-old Phyllis and 8-year-old Robbie to live with 
her ex-husband Robert and his new wife. Okay. Betty Lou didn't see Robbie again for five years, and then it was only for a couple of minutes, and then she wouldn't see him again for a total of ten years. Damn. So she's straight up like, fuck it. I am not a wife mom anymore. I'm going to do Betty Lou. Yes. Okay. Connie went to live with Faye. Okay. Shirley sometimes lived with Betty Lou and sometimes lived with friends. But Bobby, the youngest, was the only child Betty Lou refused to give up because he was the splitting image of Betty Lou. Uh, Okay. So we're getting into narcissism. He's an extension of me kind of situation Mm -hmm. here. This is what's happening now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. 1970, age 33. Betty Lou married her second husband. 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 <laughs> Not. Senior Beat. Is it B E E T? Really? Uh huh. Oh, God. Her second husband, Billy York Lane. Oh. Oh, you thought this was um, Mr. Beat? I thought this was Mr. Beat. Oh, no. Oh, good. Oh, good. Ooh, I'm excited. This is this is playing out very much Murder, She wrote Like, where it's like, are we... Oh, this, is this the murderer? Oh, wait, no, it's not. I know you're... It's not the guy. I knew you were going to love Betty Lou. Ooh, I love it. So, Billy Lane York. And he was a house painter. They only did a couple of months before they decided to get married. Um, of course. And she had... You know, we talked about Betty Lou and her figure, and she'd always been able to lose the baby, late, baby weight after all of her children. Mm. Except with Bobby. It was a little bit harder after the sixth one. You um, think? So she began taking Dexatrim. Oh, good speed. While she continued to drink. Oh, oh, upper and a downer. So she's real neutral all the time. And her emotions are totally regulated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she thought if she, the more Dexatrim she took, uh-huh. the more weight she would lose faster. Oh, yeah, no, Totally. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. You take 14 diet pills versus the two they tell you to uh-huh. take. Uh-huh. So this Naturally. caused insomnia, irritability, restlessness, and headaches. Hmm, go figure. And then you take the, the alcohol uh-huh. to tone you down so uh-huh. you can uh-huh. sleep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you take the speed. So are we Got surprised it. that her kids noticed she became two different people? One minute she'd be carrying mom, and then the next she would have the language like, I wrote Sailor, but really... Like me. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what an Amanda mouth. <laughs> and she what would a fucking see you next Tuesday mouth. <laughs> she had a see you next Tuesday mouth and she'd scream at them. Um, well, again, yeah, when you're hopped on the, up on that much speed, yeah, you're going to be fucked up. <laughs> Shocking, Betty Lou. Shocking. <laughs> Didn't know that would happen. So things with Billy and Betty Lou... You think this was um, a dream life for her? Oh, yeah, totally. It's dream world. He's an amazing house painter and husband. No, things were not sunshine and roses. God damn it. Um, so Billy began, began slapping Betty Lou around just days into the marriage. Ah, there it is. Three months into the relationship, Betty Lou got a restraining order. Okay. The couple, the couple divorced in December 1970. But they just couldn't stay away from each other. I mean, hey, when you're hot, you're hot, right? Yeah, you know? So they couldn't stay away from each other. They still saw each other. They, they would love each other. They would fight each other. And it was like oil and water. 
oil and vinegar. Oh, oh and yeah. Water. Yeah, it's that like on again, off again yeah. thing. They're like, oh, we're so passionate and in love. When in all actuality, it's like, no, this is an abusive relationship. Yes. So in May 1971, Billy broke Betty Lou's nose. Cute. Uh-huh. And Betty Lou did complain to the doctor that she didn't know what was wrong with her and that she would get depressed because she couldn't pull herself away from Billy. So do you think the doctor was like... Oh, you have a problem. Maybe you should do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Like maybe get away from these horrible influences in your stop life taking, and slow down on the dexatrin. Yeah, and the stop taking diet pills, alcohol. stop drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe don't go next or back or, to the guy. Who, or, or report the abuse. Hey. Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't do that. It was the 70s. And he didn't say to leave him. All he did was prescribe antidepressants. Oh, good. Another pill on top of mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. pills that she's already taking. Um, so, Billy continued to abuse Betty Lou, and she ended up in the ER again. Oh, God. And they would both um, frequent the same bars. And one of their favorite activities, you're going to be shocked by this, was to make each other jealous. Oh, God. I hate when couples do that crap. But they're not a couple, remember? Oh, that's right. No, but seriously, like, that shit is just so high school. Like, ah, I'm going to do this thing to make him jealous. It's like, how old are you? Girl. Okay, you're going to love this. January 17th, 1972, Betty Lou was dancing with a man Billy specifically told her to stay away from. Ooh, watch out. So Billy told her to get home or he would kill her. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. So Billy, Betty Lou was not going to let Billy get away with this. No. So, what do you think she did? Okay. Okay, pause. I'm thinking, I'm going to go with a couple scenarios here. I'm going to go with throw a drink in his face, Mm -hmm. mild. Medium spice is like, you know, hit him in the face or like go, hell no, Mr. Man, and like cuss him out. Um, And third is straight up poison his ass. She shot him in the back twice. Oh, damn, I did not have shot in the back. Ooh! Shot him in the back where? At the bar? No. So, there's two stories. Okay. Betty Lou's story is that Billy showed up at her apartment all angry and being aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so, (laughs) he showed up at her house and it was self-defense. Naturally. He's coming at me. Mm -hmm. He's going to hit me in the face. So, I got to shoot him in the back. Right. Betty Lou's daughter said... She happened to be listening in on the phone call that took place before Billy showed up, and Billy called Betty Lou. But according to Billy's daughter, Barbara, who was also listening in on his phone... <laughs> I love this. Everybody's just fucking awful. <laughs> ...said that Betty Lou called Billy invited him over. And Billy's statement is that Betty Lou called him to come over to talk, and when he showed up... She opened the door holding the gun, and when he started to leave, she shot him twice in the back and said, if you move, I'll shoot you again. Okay. <laughs> I, that which sounds more feasible because, I mean, again, if someone's attacking you, they'll be shot in the chest. Right. So she, right. she was charged with assault with intention to commit murder with malice. So he survived, obviously, because he's telling a story. And- yeah, Billy survived. He got out of the hospital. Betty Lou was right by his side the entire time. This motherfucker let her be by his side? He just, she just tried to kill your ass. And just days before the hearing, Billy signed an affidavit saying he threatened Betty Lou's life first. So without a plaintiff to press charges, her charges were dropped to misdemeanor aggravated assault. 
Okay, I'm gonna ask this question. Pardon my vulgarity, but not really. How good was her pussy? That's all I'm gonna ask. How good was it as to how she is able to keep this man unlocked like that? Um, probably as good as that girl we used to work with when we had Oh, two, valid. You know who I'm talking about. I do know who you're talking about. God dang it. I and just she asking, was dirty. Yeah, she was dirty. Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, like, how in the hell does, does she convince this person to do that? Oh, well, get this. After the trial? Because he paid her fines and everything. What? After the trial, they got remarried a month later. Oh, my later. God. She fucking shot you. And he, she shot you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. But sadly, their marriage only lasted a month, and they were divorced, divorced again in 1972. And to end the cycle of abuse and drama, Betty Lou packed up Bobby, and they moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. <sighs> okay, fine. Sure. How much do you love Betty? This I, story? I just, I just love that. Honestly, this does need to be a movie or like a docu series on Netflix or something because, like, legitimately, this is like, you can't write this shit. I did. I wrote it. No, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly, <laughs> clearly, like you can't make it up. Like you this can't, is real. You life. can't make it up. Yeah, like I even know. the best writers aren't this. I know. Great. I know. Wow. Okay. It gets crazier. Clearly. Okay, continue. 1973. Okay. We've moved on. A year later. Betty Lou is 36. Okay. She meets Ronnie. Last name? Ronnie last name? <laughs> Thurkle. Goldette. What? <laughs> I You're wish. still not at Beats? Jesus. No. Let me see. Let me see his name. Thrick. Thrill. Goldette. All right, that. sure. Ronnie. She God, meets Ronnie at Stetson's, a country bar. Of course she does. I know, we're all shocked by that. Not at all. <laughs> no. That night, Betty Lou invited Ronnie home with her, and Ronnie just began living with her from that night on. Great. A typical Ronnie. Okay, I'm sorry. Ronnie is such a fucking 70s, 80s name, right? Ronnie. Rusty. <laughs> Randy, like all of those are such that. But you know what? Era. Randy can be unisex. It can be. So can Marty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, is true. Mm-hmm. Love the seventies. I know. It's great. <laughs> and well, and guess what? They had a tumultuous relationship oh, as well. Weird. And they love to go at each other. Oh, God. She loves this shit. She loves this drama. It gives yes, her... she does. She can't not at she this point. She's not. actively choosing to have this in her life. Mm-hmm. So, Ronnie would treat her bad. She would retaliate. One time she slashed all of his tires. Okay. So, they moved from Little Rock to Dallas in February 1978 because... Betty Lou said she wanted to be closer to her kids that she left, gave gave away with people. Yes. (sighs) Poor Ronnie. He became her third husband. Fourth marriage, third husband. Got it. Yep. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When she was 42. And she was still obsessed with keeping her figure. She was still gobbling her Dexatrim like candy. 
Bobby was 12 at the time, and he was still noticing her mood changes. Um, How many years has she been on Dexatrim? Because she started in the 60s? Like 1970-ish. So it's been about eight, nine years. Ooh, that's not good. No. That is not good. So while Betty Lou moved back for to be closer to her family, um, she saw her daughters as competition for Ronnie. Got Fuck no, honey. They don't want your Ronnie's. Well, they don't want Ronnie. What? You think that, right? What? So, with his puffy ass vest and his <sighs> stupid car, it's probably one of those like old 70s trucks. It's all like like a beater. And this is what I'm picturing for Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Well, one night Ronnie was drinking at the table with one of Betty Lou's daughters. Uh-huh. Or no, he was drinking at the table and one of Betty Lou's daughters came into the room only wearing a robe. And while talking to Ronnie, she dropped the robe, and she was naked underneath. Okay, wait. Is who is who is saying this happened? Ronnie, the daughter, or Betty Lou? I don't know. It was in the book. Okay. As fact. Okay. I trust Irene. Yeah, no, I trust her out of everybody in the story. To be honest, like everyone, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> what are you doing? So Betty Lou came in, and she saw her daughter standing there. Naked. Naked as a jaybird in front of Ronnie, who's just like drinking his bourbon. Cheap bourbon. That's what they said in the book? No, I'm assuming it was cheap bourbon. You think? I'm, like, I'm going to go with like a fucking Natty Light or something. You think? No. Or like a, an old school Miller. No, I think cheap bourbon. Or mm. PBR. Oop, don't knock a PBR though, dude. So. Fucking dollar PBRs at the Applebee's. Get out of here. He was sitting there drinking his whatever here comes whatever daughter it was drops her robe here comes betty lou and all hell breaks loose okay ronnie was just trying to explain what happened like i'm sitting here and all of a sudden she's naked and betty lou was not having any of it and she gave ronnie the boot okay fair enough and so ronnie was like fine go fuck yourself sure so then this so the next day he's blowing his stuff in his car Betty Lou tries to run him over. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Um, if he had not heard her car coming and been quick enough to dive in between two cars, she would have ran him over. Oh, my God. And you know those cars in the 70s were fucking full-on metal. Oh, yeah. Like a goddamn boat. Oh, yeah. His ass would have been... It would have killed him. Straight instantly. Up. Straight up would have killed him. <sighs> so this is the second husband she's tried to kill. She's bad at it. I gotta be honest, like, she's bad. Like, I, I, I mean, you know, so, 19, get with it, Betty Lou. 1979, age 42. Okay, please don't at me. If, please don't go back and listen to our email. Uh, uh, God, I wish I hadn't done what I did at the beginning. I forgot I put this in here. At age 42, my humble opinion, it's a little long in the tooth to try to attempt this career path at this stage in the game. Oh my God, please tell me. Okay, continue. Betty Lou auditions for a topless bar. Yes! Oh, I knew it. I was like, yes, go to a strippy. Yes! I mean, do what you gotta do. Make your paper, boo-boo. Make it. But most of the time, you've started at 22. Yeah, of course. I mean, that would I mean, that'd be like me waking up in the morning and going, you know what I'm gonna do today? Hey, I don't look like Betty Lou, so ain't nobody wants to see all this. But um, 
contest you on that. I'm going to tell you, girl. I told you my OnlyFans plan, and it did not involve a lot. Um, <laughs> anyhow, In this economy? <laughs> anyhow. So, while Betty Lou was auditioning to work at the topless bar. Get it. <laughs> this lady. I, I kind of want to know her. You know what I mean? Like, during her audition, her, her pasty fell off. Uh-oh. And she tried to play it off. But you're at a topless bar. I mean, that's like, yeah, no shit. Oh, but Aren't they supposed to fall not, off? Not in 1979. Oh. Not in 1979. So she tried to play it off and um, asked if he wanted to help me put it back on. And when a gentleman did try to help her put it back on, a vice officer pulled out his badge and arrested her. And she was charged with lewdness. It's a topless bar. But you couldn't show the nips. What the fuck? It's a topless bar. Okay, so the boob is okay. This is that free in the nipple shit. All right, come get the fuck out of here. It's a boob. You're already showing the tit. What the fuck does the nipple make a difference? I'm just, I'm just saying 1979, you couldn't do that. Whatever. So. That's false advertising. If I'm going to a topless bar, topless means topless. Right? I'm, I'm just saying 1979, whatever. them's was the rules. All right. Remember Texas. Um, it's Dallas. That's a problem. <laughs> I said it, Dallas. I said it. So I said it. Our one listener that listened to us twice in Dallas, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, we watched the analytics. Um, <laughs> we know where you at. Um, so she was, she spent 30 days in jail and was put on probation for a year okay. for her pasty falling off. Oh, and no. honestly, I don't know if it was her pasty falling off or the fact that he touched her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, but okay. the charge was lewdness, so it could be either one. Right. Oh. Who knows? So, um, you know, Ronnie divorced. She was done with Ronnie, and she divorced him. I mean, the fact that he left when you told him to, and you almost ran him over with a car, we knew that you were getting divorced. At least he got the fuck out. You know, at least Ronnie was like, look, I'm Ronnie. I'm going to take my mullet and my fucking, you know, Fu Manchu out this bitch. At least he lived. Yeah, exactly. And, and good for you, Ronnie. Even though you did beat her, so fuck you at the same time. Up next. <laughs> Husband number 15. Next we have Doyle Wayne. Beats Barker. God dang it. God dang it. Doyle, Doyle Wayne. Wow, that's a winner. So let me tell you. <laughs> My book referred to him as Wayne. Mm-hmm. I'm going to refer to him as Doyle. Absolutely. Because we play by our own rules and here at the See You Next Tuesday podcast. Yep. And Doyle is much more engaging than Wayne ever Exactly. Will be. You're like, yeah, I'm not calling him Doyle Wayne. Yeah. So, she met Doyle at a truck stop in Mesquite. Oh, wow. That's a good time. Well, she was getting gas. Mm-hmm. Doyle was a construction roofer. She likes she likes a blue collar guy. She's very into this vibe, you know. Which, hey, get it? Love what you love. I just think it's interesting how you know what I, you know what I'm saying. It's got I mean, there's like a pattern here. Also, an architect would see her as a side piece, not a wife. You think? Yeah. <laughs> 
do I need to go back up and describe her again? <laughs> I don't know. There's some pretty, there's some pretty ratchet ass rich people too that are like fucking batshit. Right. I know. I watched The Real Housewives. That's valid. Yeah. Everybody's crazy. Let's just sit, just a blanket. We're all crazy. Y'all. I watch reality TV. Hello. <laughs> all right. So what does Doyle do? What happens here? Okay. Doyle. Well, Doyle rules. She began telling everyone, he's just the man I've been looking for. Which, FYI, that's what she said about all of her husbands. Yeah. By the way. She's said that about every single one of them. Wow. And he became lucky number four when they married October 3rd, 1979. Mm-hmm. And in true Betty Lou fashion, they fought constantly, and mm. the couple separated seven weeks after the wedding. Mm. And their divorce was final January 1980. All right. Well, this is a quickie. Not long after the divorce, Betty Lou was in a terrible car accident that almost killed her. And this is actually the second time I've done one where somebody almost died and didn't die. And it probably would have been better off if they had died in that car accident. Do you think this is one of those like brain injury type situations? Where no. It, like, okay. No. It, it exacerbated? Okay. No. Do you remember Francine Hughes and when her husband was in the car accident? Yeah. If he had just died in the car accident, she wouldn't have lit him on fire. Right. But also maybe don't beat your wife for years and then you, yeah. your ass won't be grass. Mm-hmm. And if, well, if she had just died in the car accident, you'll see what would have not happened. So she didn't take stock of her life and was like, man, I should really like make sure that my life isn't fucked up from here on out because I almost died. No. She went hard. She went all in. She doubled down on her lifestyle. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so she had a skull fracture, lacerations, a concussion, and the injuries... So actually, she did have a brain injury. Skull fracture. But, I mean, it didn't make her worse. <laughs> Are you sure about that? It did make her hearing loss worse. Oh, yeah. And now she had to wear hearing aids. Remember how vain she is? Yeah, she's like, I am doing that. Now she only wore her hair down to make sure it covered her ears. Okay. Now... Doyle heard about the accident. And he was like rushing to her side, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He came knocking and said all the right things. And he was sorry for all their past problems. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be a new man if he got a second chance. And they got remarried the following year. Okay. So this is marriage number six, husband number four. Yes. Wow. Math. I did it. Yay. Four different men, six times. Oh, God. Yay. I wrote that. <laughs> it's the little things, y'all. I really need to post some of this because <laughs> I do, I literally do type these things sometimes. I love it. So um, the couple bought half an acre, a half acre lot in the Cherokee Hills section of Cedar Creek Lake. Mm-hmm. And they put a brand new trailer on it. Okay. Remember Betty Lou's mama told her stories mm-hmm. about the rich people. Yep. And she had never lived anything brand new. So she was happy as a clam living in her brand new trailer. Get it. Get it. So one day while burning limbs by the lake, Betty Lou's daughter um, was telling her she needed to to divorce Doyle um, because, you know, he beat her. Yeah. So. um, Yeah, fair enough. She was like, you need to divorce him. You need to get rid of him. Um, But Betty Lou was afraid he was going to get to keep the trailer. Okay. And she's like, hell no. I finally got some shit that's, that's mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Betty Lear straight up told her, 
I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and continued to explain how she had a random construction worker dig a hole to be Doyle's grave. What the fuck? She straight up told her daughter that? Mm-hmm. So Shirley was hoping that her mom wouldn't go through with this and was just being crazy Betty Lou. Um, so, um, with Shirley watching Bobby that night, uh huh. Betty Lou grabbed her 38 Colt revolver with an ivory handle. Because, of course, because she's, she's got style, baby. She's classy. She's classy bitch. Mm-hmm. While Doyle was asleep, she climbed into bed. She held the pillow. Oh, oh, SP, 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 SP. She held the pillow over the gun to muffle the sound and shot Doyle. Doyle's body jerked and he groaned, so Betty Lou was afraid she had woke, only woken him up, so she shot him two more times. In the face? Where's he shoot? Where's she shooting him? I don't know. <laughs> Although the pillow, that's a, that's a good move, girl. That's a good move. You know, honestly, I'm actually surprised she did a gun because, like, you know, most we're poisoners. We poison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're sneaky like that. Watch out, bitches. But like, the gun is an interesting vibe for her. I mean, she did it before, and then she did a car. Mm-hmm. She tried at least, mm-hmm. and then yeah, okay. She reached over, checked his pulse. And then she proceeded to zip him up in a blue sleeping bag, roll him into the back of the closet. Then she started cleaning. When she was done cleaning, she went to bed. I mean, because killing makes you so tired, y'all. And then the grime under your fingernail. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a whole big mm-hmm. fucking rigmarole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when it. I say she went to bed, she went to bed in the same bed she killed him in. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. So the next day, when Shirley woke up at noon, she found Betty Lou lying on her couch, and Betty Lou told her it's over. She said, I did what I told you I was going to do, and then she relayed every detail like she was telling her her grocery list. Girl, are you fucking stupid? You are telling your daughter that you premeditated a murder beforehand, and then afterwards, straight up like, oh, and here's how it went down after? Like, your daughter's not going to roll on your ass? Well. What, um, do you think there's some fucking family confidentiality? Hell no. (laughs) Tell me the daughter rolls. So, Shirley was worried about her mother going to prison. And... What? No! Fuck that shit! She was afraid her mother would be more likely to get caught if she didn't help her bury the body... So she offered to help Betty Lou get the body from the closet to the hole in the yard that was dug. Girl, what? No. Because she knew Betty Lou couldn't do it by herself. Look, no, no, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yes. No. No. I would never go down like that for my mom. I'd be like, bitch, are you fucking, get the fuck away from me. I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. I'm just going to be out for a little while. I'll be right back. And I'd be hauling my ass to the police station immediately. Immediately. Hell no. (laughs) I'm just saying, that's some fucking, okay. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, and then Betty Lou called Doyle's boss and told him that Doyle had run off, that the two had a fight, and he'd run off. She used the classic, he went out to buy cigarettes and never came back. But he didn't take a truck. Naturally. Yeah, he walked there. He walked to get cigarettes and never came back. Girl, think your shit through. 
All I'm saying is there's... We're also true crime fans, so we know how to do this, mm-hmm, unfortunately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But guess what? We'll never do it, but... She's not caught yet. Because her... Do- mm, because why would she? Nobody nobody looked for Doyle. No, nobody's going to look for Doyle. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, her daughter obviously cares about her mom, which I'm not blaming the daughter. I'm just like, girl, like, your mom is clearly not a stable person. And if she's and could that's do it- why she didn't tell on her, because she was afraid her mom was going to come for her. You think that you think that? Mm-hmm. So you think that the daughter was more afraid of her mom? Yeah. Than the consequences for her mom. Yes. Got it. Okay. In that case, that makes more sense. So that makes more sense. Betty's Lou's living her best life in her trailer. While she's waiting tables at the Cedar Club. It's a local bar. It was open from breakfast to 2 a.m. It was not a bougie joint. <laughs> and this is where she meets. Jimmy Don Beats. Oh, we made it, y'all. Oh, we made it. He was a fire chief in lucky number five. Oh, a fire chief. Okay. That's it. That's Yeah. She got herself a hot fireman. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Poor Jimmy Don fell in love with Betty Lou on their first date. Oh. I really say he fell for her bullshit. Sounds like she's, got, she's full of it. Mm-hmm. She was all touchy-feely and lovey-dovey, and this was her game she played. Yeah, sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jimmy Don, he had this house with neighbors that was, like, neighborly, kind of family-oriented. They all they all hung out. They all went fishing. They had, I guess, happy hours and shit. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Betty Lou didn't fit in with his neighbors being so friendly, and, um, yeah, no, she's used to drama. Mm-hmm. If she's not being beat in the face or like doing something crazy, she's just like, I don't get that. Now, again, not victim blaming. I'm just saying she's clearly like aiming for the drama at this point. She knows what she's doing. She's in her right mind. So Jimmy well, Don kind of partially moved in with Betty Lou after a month. And then she began slowly isolating him from his friends and family. Ooh, girl, manipulation. Oh, side note, guys. I did look up the silver slipper bar. No, it's not there anymore. I just wanted to go back to that. Sorry. If it was, we'd road trip. Oh, my God. I'd be like, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Road trip. Right now. (laughs) And in. Pack it up. (laughs) So, um, she isolated him. And guess what she told everyone? That he was beating her. Jimmy Don's the man she's been looking for all oh his life, all her life. And yay, they got married. This is marriage number seven, husband number five. Five, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Jimmy Don did have a grown son named Jamie. Jamie had a wife and two kids. Okay. And he did tell his dad she's a manipulative, self-centered bitch. There it is. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Finally, somebody's a fucking voice of reason in this whole thing. Nail on the head. Boom. Got it. August 19th, 1982 is when Betty Lou and Jimmy Don, I love the two double names. The, you know, and the thing is, is like, I'm just getting a vibe from Jimmy, Jimmy Don, excuse mm-hmm. me, that he seems like a really nice man. Yeah, he was normal. He was yeah, normal he was very and stable. Nice. He was mm-hmm. a chief, you know, he was kind of mm-hmm, doing his thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds like he has a grown kid. Uh-huh, so he's like, cool, this yeah, is my second yeah, yeah. Li- half of my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. They, and then... Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> they got married at the courthouse. They moved okay. into Betty Lou's trailer permanently, even though we had this blue house, the league. They talk all about it in the book. I'm not allowed to tell you about it. Read we'll the book. Blame my pod hubby. 
<laughs> you would have just sat down and read the whole book. Maybe you should be the vo- the the what's it called the Audible uh, book version of this book. You should just read it. And be like, oh my god, I got to read this book. Almost as soon as the vows were said, Betty Lou began voicing her issues with Jimmy Don helping out his son financially. How about that's not your fucking business because it's not your son. Ding ding ding. And so she basically told Jimmy Don what to say to Jamie and to inform him he is being cut off financially. Don't listen, Jimmy Don. Well, he did. I, I'm not allowed to tell you all about it. You need to read the book. <laughs> so after Jimmy Don had lived with Betty Lou for a while, she asked him to build a shed for all his boating and fishing. Equipment. Don't build the shed, Jimmy. Don't build the shed. She's going to bury you under it. No. The shed had to be in a certain place, even though they had to move the butane tank to put that shed there. Oh, because she's fucking putting it over her other husband. Exactly. This mm-hmm, bitch, this mm-hmm, bitch. <laughs> yes. So Jimmy Don's niece worked for um, JCPenney's life insurance policy department. Whoa, my God. And I didn't so, really think of life insurance. Like, I knew they had... Remember the photo studio? Uh-huh, yes. Do you remember the hair, hair mm-hmm, salon? Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so... Real quick flashback. I know I know. I'm not supposed to be interrupting you because you got a lot of shit to say, but I just got to say this. So, freshman year, I was at school and I was nominated to be a part of the homecoming court. <laughs> oh, I need pictures. I have them. And so... And I was nominated every year to be a part of the homecoming court. I never won, but I still was kind of like, that's cool. So I was like super stoked. So what do I do? I went to the panties, the JC panties, and got my hair did. <laughs> Girl, there was so much fucking hairspray and bobby pins in my fucking hair. I cannot even describe to you. Like, and did it you was, have Betty Lou hair? It was large. And then this is okay. So this is early two thousands ish, but like it was, it was like supposed to be like. Like, kind of an updo with, like, curls in the back, right? Oh, yes. And it was, but this girl, I swear to God, took, like, an hour and a half curling and then took a pin, like, a bobby pin for every single fucking curl. Every single one. I'm like, girl, this is not dance moms. Like, I am not performing anything. I am going to be standing and then sitting. That's it. But, no, it took a hot minute. But, yeah, it was at the JCPenney's hair salon. I need to see those pictures. I'll find them. <laughs> it was, uh... And then we will post them. <laughs> uh, okay. I will post them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I will post them. Oh, God. Anyway, continue. A- anyhow, so she sees a $10,000 life insurance policy for Jimmy Don come across her desk. And she notices the address was not his, and it was not Betty Lou's, and it was an address in Mesquite. And it just didn't feel right. So Jackie called Jimmy Don... And he didn't take out the policy. Who's Jackie? The niece. Okay. Um, so Jimmy Don's niece. Mm-hmm. Got it. So she took it to her boss, and he felt there could be something shady going on as well. Um, so her boss told her to hand deliver the policy to Jimmy Don so he could handle it as he saw fit. Sure. So Jimmy Don canceled the policy because he didn't purchase it and right. he already had $100,000 in life insurance with Betty Lou as the beneficiary. Today's money, that would be, hold on, let me count, $281,550.26. Damn. Now, he did notice that Betty Lou was the beneficiary on this JCPenney's policy 
and that the policy um, address belonged to her daughter, Faye. So okay. the next day when his shift at the firehouse is over, he comes home and he asks Betty Lou about the insurance policy. She claims she didn't buy it and she played stupid and said she got something in the mail and accidentally signed it and filled it out with all of your information and my social security number. No big deal, but anyway. And she thought they were insuring a charge account and she didn't really understand what it was. Insuring a charge account? Bitch. Jimmy Don bought it. Hook, line, Honey, and Jimmy, sinker. no. J- Jimmy. Jimmy. JD, can I, can I call you that? No, no, no. No. You can that's, call him Jimmy Don. That's not how it works. And you know... Oh, he just seems so sweet and unassuming. He seems naive. Bless like his real heart. Real naive. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Honey. So, August 1983, Jimmy Don begins to build Betty Lou this wishing well in the front yard of the property. Now, it's... You're going to wish you didn't. <laughs> four foot square, four foot high walls that went down one feet. What? One foot down? One foot deep. So, like... So, it's more for decoration. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just, like, for plants. Okay. So, it's four f- one foot underneath the ground, but the walls above the ground were four foot high. So, like, a total of five feet. Got it. Mm-hmm. And um, on a Friday night, Betty Lou tells her son, Robbie, who has been living with her and Jimmy Don. Robbie, you know, she yeah, sent the, off with the, her dad. Yeah. With his dad. Um, so she tells him one Friday night, um, that she's going to kill Jimmy Don. So she's just going to confess to all her children as she scrolls through this fucking cavalcade of husbands, apparently. When he asked her why, she says, because he had a bunch of insurance and she was tired of worrying about how she was going to pay the bills. Also, also, she knows that Jimmy Don's going to start beating her eventually. So she was just nipping it in the bud before it started to happen. Okay. Because, you know. Because, yeah. I mean, in... in, uh, No, that's not how this works. Like... That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. No. (laughs) So, Robbie didn't know what to do. Like, he just started living with his mom again. He didn't want to get sent away like he did when his parents got divorced. Yeah. So he's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, seriously. So Betty Lou sends Robbie out with Bobby and tells him to return in a few hours. Um, While the boys were out of the trailer, Betty Lou grabs her ivory-handled revolver, Mm -hmm. shoots Jimmy Don in the chest, and then again in the head. I'm sorry, Jimmy Don. She then zips Jimmy Don up in an identical blue sleeping bag as she did with Doyle. I mean, hey, if it worked once, right? So, remember she had told Shirley, her daughter, she was going to kill Doyle? Yeah. Yep. Well, she had previously told Shirley she had plans to kill Jimmy Don, too. Ah. So, she calls up Shirley and tells her the deed's been done. Shirley was upset with her mom because she's like... Again? (laughs) It's one thing to kill someone who's been abusing you... But Jimmy Don has never laid a hand on you, and he's been an amazing husband. And you just wanted the fucking money. And Betty Lou had also, after Doyle, said, I promise I won't ever kill anybody again. 
Mm-hmm. FYI, y'all. If somebody says, I promise I won't ever kill anybody again, they're lying. Yeah, also, again. <laughs> yeah. If, so, Betty Lou has Robbie come home and help her put Jimmy Don's body. Guess where? In the well. Down the well. Fucking hey. Yeah, she made him build his own grave. This bitch That's fucked up. Is fucking. Do you want to guess who the cunt is? Uh, is it Jimmy Don? Oh wait, nope. Is Miss Bates? It's Miss Betty Lou. Is Miss Betty motherfucking Lou? And if you don't think Betty Lou is a cunt, come at me. Yeah, that's a. This is gonna be a hard stance for us both. For Jimmy sure. Don did not beat her. No, and and also. As we said in the Francine Hughes one, violence is never the answer. Don't burn your husband in your bed. However, we see how but it can enhance it, how it can happen. We did not name Francine the cunt. No, we didn't. We named her husband who she set on fire the cunt. True. But again, like murder is never the answer. End of the day, murder no, is never the answer. Murder. Don't, don't murder. murder. Don't murder. Don't murder. Yes. Can't say it enough. Don't murder. Um, so the next day, Betty Lou planted flowers in the wishing well. Great. Not only that, she had Robbie plant Jimmy Don's boat with his fishing license, his glasses, and heart medication spread around the bottom of the boat. And then she picks Robbie up from launching the boat out in the middle of the lake. And he tells Betty Lou he wants to go back and live with his dad. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm good. I'm set. Uh Thanks, Mom. Bye. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye. So, the next day, August 6, 1983, Betty Lou reports Jimmy Don missing. In her statement, she says Jimmy Don went fishing at 9.30 p.m., was supposed to be back around midnight, but he never returned. And and that he had been having motor trouble. Um... Once they found Jimmy Don's boat, um, the search was still in full swing. They were hoping to find him alive, or at least his body. Um, Because Jimmy Don was a loved member of the community. Like, all the firefighters were looking for him. Everybody that lived around the lake loved him because he always helped people fix their boats, and he was so friendly. So she done fucked up. Betty Lou was loving all the attention she was getting. Of course she was. Oh my God, I'm so sorry, honey. Oh my God, I hope your husband turns up. Oh my God. Oh yeah, she's living for this. The fire department chaplain arrives Sunday morning, um, and Betty Lou was sitting with four friends in the living room discussing the weather. So he leaves. He comes back the next day. And she almost immediately asked him about what benefits she's going to be eligible for. Mm. It took a hot second for the chaplain to collect his thoughts because he never dealt with anybody like this. Well, also, it's not his job to know about life insurance or like benefits well, and, and shit, right? And, like, and normally, but, he's dealing with somebody that's actually... Like grieving? Grieving. Or upset that they can't find the fucking husband? Yeah. yeah. So... He told her she would get life insurance and pension. Oh, Betty Lou. I typed, oh, Betty Lou. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She then asked how much life insurance and how much pension. Okay. This poor chaplain returned to see Betty a third time and noted that he still had not seen her cry over the loss of her 
dearly loved and missed husband. Mm-hmm. And he came back to give her the answer to her life insurance and pension question. His life insurance was $110,000 with double indemnity clause. So because it was an accident, she would get double and $900 a month for the rest of her life for his pension. Mm-hmm. And today's money, $110,000 is $300,065.86. Wow. And $900 would be $2,455.08. So she legit wouldn't have to work if she didn't have to. Like she could just right. not work now. Now, sweet little Betty Lou mm-hmm. followed that question up with, when would I get the money? Damn, girl. Betty Lou was unhappy when she found out she would have to wait seven years to get her insurance money because Texas law requires you to wait seven years to collect when there's not a body. Uh-huh. So Jimmy Don's empty boat um, being found um, wasn't adding up for some people. There were some things that he like did ritualistically when he went out on his boat. Okay. His CB radio wasn't in the boat. Um, because he didn't go out without it for safety reasons. Sure. The, the heart pills found in the boat, he hadn't taken in almost two years. Oh. Um, the glasses in the boat, he never used. Um, he never went out on the lake alone. Jamie, Jimmy Don's son, and Betty Lou, they started an all-out war. Fuck yeah. I wanted to tell you about this war so bad. Really? So Jamie's like, I ain't playing this shit. Right. And I, okay. It is, I mean, back and forth, back and forth. Houses were lit on fire. Oh my God. It was crazy. Straight up lit on fire? The blue house that I told you Jimmy Don lived in before he moved in with her. It was lit on fire for insurance money, but she didn't get the money because they could tell that diesel gas started the fire. Oh my God. Yes. What the fuck? Like... She put dogs in the backyard. So, like, J- uh, Jamie is ended up getting divorced over all this. Because oh, my God. He was, yeah, it, it's crazy, y'all. It's crazy. And she's here living her best life. She's eating this drama up. Man. Yes, yes, yes. I. She's I'm, a fucking emotional vampire. I'm not allowed to tell you about it because Pod Hubby told Read me. Read the book. Yeah. <laughs> Pod Hubby's exact words were, I know you love writing, but you can't have every episode be three parts. Why not? <laughs> His email address is <laughs> right at him, bitch. I'm just kidding. At that mother trucker. <laughs> I love you, honey. So we got a new man in the picture. Oh god damn it. Ray Bone. Ray Bone? Uh-huh. B-O-N-E. Uh-huh. But Ryan was Ray was different than any of Betty Lou's other men. How's that? Ray was an actual criminal. And I don't mean spend a night in the drunk tank criminal. June 23rd, 1977, he murdered a man, received 20 years in the state pen, but was currently out on parole after serving less than eight. Oh, naturally. Naturally. Why, why would he be in prison for the rest of his life? He didn't, like, smoke weed or anything. He just murdered a guy. No mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, what happened next is all is allegedly all lawyer E. Ray Andrews doing. Allegedly. Law- who's lawyer E. Ray Andrews? He's Betty Lou's attorney. Okay. He says 
It was his doing, and Betty Lou was only a willing but innocent participant. Okay, so all, it's all Ray's fault, essentially. Mm-hmm, 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 Senior mm-hmm. Bone. No. He, the lawyer. Oh, it's all the lawyer's fault. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, got it. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just had to introduce Ray because... You got to introduce him. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, so she met this motherfucker mm-hmm. who's actually a criminal, mm-hmm. straight up. Mm-hmm. He moved in with her. Okay. So. So now we're going toe to toe. We're like at boss battle, celebrity death match at this point. We're like, we got Ray Bone and we got Miss Betty Lou, mm-hmm. straight up murderers mm-hmm. living with each other. Uh-huh, oh, uh-huh, I'm excited uh-huh, now. Uh-huh. Let's go. How is this not a movie? legit how is this not a movie i'm sure it is so betty lou she she knows this attorney e ray andrews and he says this was all his idea but with what we know about miss betty lou i seriously doubt it so she goes to see e ray and she never brought up um jimmy don's life insurance but E. Ray is the one who brought it up and asked her about it. Out of the kindness of his heart, asked her about Jimmy Don's life insurance. And he says he's going to look into it for her. And he was the one to suggest that Betty Lou seek a determination of death so she wouldn't have to wait seven years for her money. Shit. So Betty Lou filed for Jimmy Don's death certificate on February in February 1985. Uh-huh. And she stood before the judge and said that his family used to see him daily, but after August 6, 1983, no one had any contact with him. Uh-huh. Because you fucking killed him. Yeah, because you fucking murdered his ass. Of course, she said she was Jimmy Don's legal spouse, and of course she would inherit everything. I mean, why wouldn't she? Yeah. In March, Betty Lou inherited everything. Damn, girl. That's what happens when you get a good lawyer. Um, she was appointed the administrator of Jimmy Don's estate, and the court officially declared him dead. Her final pension settlement was a lump sum for back payments of $1,585 and $792 a month for the rest of his life. Ready for today's money? Yes. $43,242.22 and $2,160.47. God dang. Shit. And then shit hit the fan for Betty Lou all at once. Okay. Let's go. Shit hit the fan. Her world just imploded. Her son Bobby and Ray got into an argument in the front yard Mm -hmm. because Bobby hated Ray. Okay. Well, yeah. Bobby started shooting at Ray. What the fuck? A neighbor was done with their classy with a K bullshit and called the cops. Classy with a K. I typed that, by the way. <laughs> I just instantly pictured bedazzled jeans, like when you said that. Um, Great. I'm sure Betty Lou wore those. Yeah. Bobby was taken to juvie, and Ray was taken to jail because he was a felon. And he had a shotgun in his truck. Nice. Possession, bitch. Got your ass. All the while this was happening, the sheriff was building a case against Betty Lou. Yes. Do your job, Betty. Buddy. Not Betty. Buddy. (laughs) How do you ask? I mean, she was so careful. She only told her son and daughter, right? Yeah. Right? She only told those two. Ooh, was somebody eavesdropping on the phone? Oh, my God. 
Well, her son told his girlfriend, and Shirley told her sister Phyllis, Oh, did I ever mention Betty Lou liked men? <laughs> I well, had no idea. She told one of her men when she was drunk and getting banged six ways to Sunday. <laughs> You're getting spicy at the end of this now. It's just all like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I, I typed that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, he would never tell anyone, would he? No. Well, of course he would. And the guy he told got stopped for speeding and had four joints on him. So in exchange for being oh. let go, he told the sheriff he knew about Betty Lou. He rolled. The absolutely. The sheriff went and questioned the man she was bumping uglies with. <laughs> and he confirmed she confessed. When the, <laughs> when the sheriff was questioning the Mr. Lover Lover, Phyllis was getting <laughs> drunk. You're bringing in Shaggy now? <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. This might have been about the time my husband told me I needed to wrap it up. <laughs> He's like, you just need to talk. I just, just was like, like condense, <laughs> condense, let's go. Phyllis was getting drunk and confessing to her friend that her mom killed her husband and buried him in the yard. Shit. The friend immediately called Crime Stoppers. Yes, she did, because the fucking friend is like, I don't have anything to lose here. The sheriff got a hold of Phyllis and Phyllis said, I know all about, I know all about it. Um, roll, It's roll. Shirley that told me mama asked her to help her bury Doyle. And the sheriff was like, who the fuck is Doyle? Because uh, they, they meant Jimmy Don. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I meant the other husband. You meant, oh, you meant Jimmy Don? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She killed him too. After a minute, it clicked in his brain. And then he remembered Betty Lou's last husband had disappeared. Everyone thought he had just run off, and no one ever investigated it. Oh, this is great. Phyllis continued to share all the details. Yes, Phyllis, go. What she knew about Doyle's murder. Remember how Ray was arrested? Yep. Well, this is about the time when he got done talking to Phyllis. This is about the time he found out about Ray. He decided to take, use this to his advantage and went and met with Ray since he couldn't afford his $5,000 bond, which in today's money is $13,639.36. That is a shit ton of money. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the sheriff told him he worked it out where he could be released on his own reconnaissance as long as Ray kept him updated on Betty Lou's activities. Yes. Keep in mind, Ray's a fucking criminal, y'all. Yeah, so he's like, okay, for sure. I'm he not going back to jail. He don't want to go back to the pen. Hell no. Hell no, he does not. <laughs> so, because he's a criminal and all about self-preservation, he fucking did just that. So, they... Sheriff Rose, or Deputy Rose, I don't think he was the actual sheriff who worked for the sheriff's department. Deputy Rose finally had an arrest warrant together for Betty Lou and her daughter Shirley, based on Phyllis's statement, as well as a search warrant based on the information from her fuck buddy. Uh huh. Once everything was in place, Betty Lou and Ray were arrested. They had guns and ammunition in the car. That's not surprising. Once it was confirmed they didn't want Ray, they let him go. <laughs> yeah, bye. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate you. Betty Lou turned her truck over to him. And once she was booked, the judge set her initial bond at $1 million. Yes. Ready for today's money? $2,727,871.49. Yeah, that's what we called basically remand. <laughs> <laughs> You're in there now. 
So then the sheriff's department shows up at Betty Lou's trailer to execute the search warrant. Word spreads through the neighborhood that the sheriff's department was looking for bodies and here comes the crowd. Oh yeah, oh my God. I'd be dusting my lawn. I'd be out there vacuuming my porch. I think they just stood around and watched because this oh, is yeah, like, you know, shit. the 80s. They, they were like, That's fuck true. it. Yeah. So <laughs> once they started taking the wishing well apart, they found the sleeping bag with Jimmy Don's body. Oh, man. Could you imagine being a neighbor? I would die. I would die. I want to be that neighbor. I do too. So they're riding high on this success. So they took, they had a backhoe to tear it apart. Uh-huh. They took the backhoe to the backyard and tore down the shed. Guess what they found? Mr. Doyle, didn't they? Four feet under the ground mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. an identical sleeping bag, Doyle Wayne Barker. Surprise, surprise, Betty. Now, Shirley had been gone on her honeymoon while all this was going down and had no idea. Honey. She returned the day after Betty Lou was arrested, and the sheriff's department showed up at her apartment to inform her that her mother was arrested because they found two, body, two bodies in her yard. And that they were arresting her, too. Right, because she's a conspirator at this point. But I'm going to guess something. They're going to ask her to, you know, for details so she doesn't have to go to jail. We'll see. Okay. At um, the official bond hearing and clarification of charges, she was charged with capital murder in order to be held without bonds. All this time, Shirley was refusing to talk because she was using E. Ray Andrews Betty Lou's attorney, too, and he told her not to say a word. What the fuck? So, he really... He fucked that shit up. mm Mm-hmm. So... There's only one person who deserves to be in jail here, dude. Sorry. So, the police brought in Phyllis to explain that E-Ray was only worried about Betty Lou, and that she was going to be to continue to be charged and tried with capital murder and held without bond unless she gave a statement about what happened. Mm -hmm. So after talking to Phyllis, Shirley got her own lawyer. She told the police and the prosecutor the entire story of what happened with Doyle Wayne. And Shirley got done giving her statement and was released from jail on a $5,000 bond. Good, good. I didn't do that conversion, sorry. That's fine. They finally had everything needed to bring her to trial. Betty Lou was found guilty of capital murder. Mm-hmm. In Texas, the punishment phase is separate from... The sentencing. Yes. Yep. So they sequestered the jury over the weekend, and the punishment was to begin on Monday. On Monday, the jury took 45 minutes to decide her sentence. You better believe that shit. They didn't even stop for lunch. They're like, nah, I got shit to do. Let's go. Betty Lou was given the death penalty. Shocking. In prison, Betty Lou and three other women on death row painted faces on dolls and sewed dresses for them. The dolls sold for $25 and the revenue went directly to the Texas Department of Corrections. I need one of these dolls. Absolutely. If you have one or know where to buy them, you can at me, email me, Insta, Twitter. All those things she said at the beginning. Yes. You can even... Find me on Facebook personally. I don't care at this point. Find me. Find me. I need this Betty Lou doll. Absolutely. So Betty Lou's execution date was set for November 8th, 1989. Because there was so much legal mumbo jumbo that I'm not even going to get into. She wasn't executed until February 24th, 2000. Ooh, shit. She did not have any last words. Really? Did she have a last meal? 
Eh. I had to wrap it up. Coke and sadness. How about that? I need a doll that is made by women on death row so bad. Is that the end of her story? That's the end. I'm done. Oh my God. That was a fucking journey. That was a journey. I don't even know how to feel right now. She was, she was going to be the first woman executed, um, in Texas in like a bazillion in two years, but because of all of her legal mumbo jumbo, somebody else beat her to it. Womp womp. Damn. That is the black widow of Texas. Great job. I cannot do another woman who murders her child. Yes. (laughs) For a hot minute. Yeah, I know. But you know, husbands are different. But not better, just different. <laughs> yeah, she was a ride and a half. I loved every minute of this. I would, I'd be like typing, 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 typing. And then I'd be like, oh my God, girl, let me tell you about Betty Lou. And my family would be like, oh my God, what? Just stop talking. What, mom, what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I freaking love it. Oh, I found out, yes, there was a movie made. It's uh, on IMDb. It's called I Knew My Murderer. Oh, it's a TV episode, Black Widow. Shit. Anyway, but I, th- seriously, hello, hello, everyone, make a fucking movie. Hire me to write the script. I'd seriously. be super good at it. Yeah, you would actually. You'd be phenomenal at it. Dude, that was fucking great. Good job. If you need me to write your podcast episodes, you can pay me for that too. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, transcribe a whole book onto a podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said it. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. Great job. Thank you. I enjoyed every fucking minute of this. It's great. <laughs> Did you hear it. my joy in my voice? Yeah, no. Especially because it's, it's so full of just fucking drama. It literally is like watching The Real Housewives. Straight I up. was like, I'm like, oh my God, she had another husband? And she married, the, she married two of them twice. Two of them twice. I've never loved anybody that much. Am I wrong? I would... Would you remarry your husband after you had a divorce? No. No. I would get the redneck divorce where I'd still fuck him because I wouldn't want to go to a bar and meet somebody else. Diseases. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't remarry him. Yeah. I mean, and then that I mean, happened. we've been married 20 years, so, you know. He ain't dead yet, so. Mm-mm. <laughs> you didn't have to remarry him either. Mm-mm. Good God. Yeah, I've right. always told him that. I'm like, if we get divorced, we're going to have the redneck divorce. I'm still going to fuck you. But I ain't gonna be married to you. That's called the redneck divorce. That's what I named it. <laughs> Classy with the K. Classy with the K. That's me. I love it. Rednecks don't hate me because he is one. Hey, you know, actually, we can take redneck back. You know, we can make it a good thing again. Make redneck good again. Ugh, ugh. ugh. That felt awful to say. Ugh. I just vomited in my mouth. I'm sorry, everybody. What I'm saying is not all rednecks are um, on one side of things. You can be yeah, a redneck no, and believe I didn't, in I didn't everyone's rights. I didn't it like bad. No, no, no. I know. I know you didn't. I mean, you've met my husband. He's kind of... Hey, man. He's kind. He's real He's country. country. Yeah, country. He's real country. <laughs> I freaking love it. God, that was great. <sighs> I took you on a journey. You did. I feel like pressure now... <laughs> For what? If I don't take you on journeys anymore. Then what are we doing here? Yeah. (laughs) I can't keep this up. Like, that's two journeys in a row. 
Well, you don't have to. That's the point. Good, because <laughs> I'm going to disappoint Good, y'all. Because fuck it. I'm done. When it's my go again, I'm going to disappoint you guys. I doubt that. You, you always do great. No, it's going to be a disappointment. I'm telling you right <laughs> fucking now. Are you, uh... Are you ready for the good mom? The star mom? Yes, I need you to pick me up. Lift me up. (laughs) Lift me up. Away from Betty Lou and her Mm -hmm. craziness. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so as you know, you actually got me more into this person. And I just want to credit you again for for thank you so much. Because had you not, I would have never discovered um, some of the most incredible and ridiculous things that I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. And that person is Miss Leah Remini, is the star mom. So She's my best friend. Yeah. So first off, I just want to say, yes, we freaking love her. She cusses like a sailor like us. She's incredible. You introduced me to her, the Aftermath show. Yes. And you were like, you have to watch this. I was like, okay. So I started watching it casually, and I'm like, wait, what? 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 Me and my pa daughter, we were bonding and watching that show together on Netflix before she leaves for college next week. You want to talk about it? No. Okay. So, yeah. So, we, you introduced me to it. So, I asked you, I was like, are you sure you're okay with me doing her as a star mom? Mm -hmm. Because she's technically yours. Well, she's my best friend. So, I'm going to need you to tell me something I don't already know. I hope I do. I might not. Because you know more about her than I do. But thank you for allowing me (laughs) the the ability to talk about Miss Leah Remini. So... If I forget to give you a gift for a gift-giving occasion, this is it. <laughs> Thank you for my gift. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, Miss Leah Remini has become what she once declared she never wanted to be known as, this bitter ex-Scientologist. As USA Today wrote, Miss Remini is as famous for being an ex-Scientologist as she is an actress. She needs to move on with her life instead of pathetically exploiting her former religion, her former friends, and other celebrities for money and attention to appear relevant again. Sadly, bitterness and anger are common threads throughout Miss Remini's life. Miss Remini is showing herself to be a spoiled, entitled diva who still obsessively complains about such petty matters as her seating placement, limo ride, five-star hotel accommodation, and paparazzi's failure to recognize her nearly a decade ago. She also inserts herself uninvited into the family matters of others. Rather than take responsibility for her self-inflicted problems, she's quick to blame others. When her firing from the talk erupted into a public embarrassment for her in 2012, we tried to help pick her up off the floor, but she treated everyone around her in a degrading, bullying manner. Her behavior was intolerable. Mm -hmm. Leah Remini knows the truth she conveniently rewrites in her revisionist history. The real story is that she desperately tried to remain a Scientologist in 2013, knowing full well she was on the verge of being expelled for refusing to abide by the high level of ethics and decency Scientologists are expected to maintain. Okay. I'm sorry. That was actually uh, not the beginning of my notes. That was actually a statement from the Church of Scientology, um, their actual website about Leah Remini. Well, I'm literally quoting, and there's more. There's a whole fucking page. There is an entire, like, website devoted to, websites devoted to hate and honor, like, as they do with everybody. Yeah. For those of you who do not know, and anything about Scientology, highly recommend the aftermath. Highly recommend learning about it. Um, 
Yes, because I we couldn't even begin to tell you about it. It is there's so much there there. Like it just it's a wormhole, literally. Um she also has a podcast with our um dad. Mm-hmm. Mike Renner. Mike Render, yep. Who he's our here's our uh, pseudo dad, I guess. Not not in real life, obviously. We wish he were our father, because he's just the sweetest. He's my other best friend. Yeah. I have a lot of best friends and they don't know it. Yeah, they will eventually. We'll meet her. We'll have to. In the pod circuit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Never know. Anyway, so point is... Have you been drinking behind my back today? (laughs) No, I have not. Okay. Here's the real story of Miss Leah Remini, not the Scientology version. She was born on June 15th, 1970. Hey, June baby. In Brooklyn, New York City to Vicki Marshall and George Remini... They owned an asbestos removal company. Hey, it's the 70s. You do what you got to do. Her mother is of Austrian Jewish descent, and her father has Italian ancestry in Sicily. And she was born a Catholic. And Leah's mom got her into Scientology, her whole family into Scientology, when uh, she was eight. So she's been in Scientology her whole life, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and then soon... At the age, a very young age, she was part of the Sea Org. So, for the, again, that those that don't know, Sea Organization is a religious order for the Scientology religion and is composed of the singularly most dedicated Scientologists. Now, I'm reading this off their website. I mean, or or it's slave labor. It's a, correct. This is what the Church of Scientology, and I'm put. I'm going to put church in quotes this whole time. Literal air quotes, and anytime you hear me saying church, it's under with quotes around it. It's not a fucking church. No, it's not a church. It's a cult. It's a cult and a business. And the fact that our government has given it nonprofit status to this day is fucking criminal. Mm-hmm. Because they are hiding money mm-hmm. and they are hurting people. Uh huh. And it's a very upsetting. Thing. Yes. Um, basically, the Sea Org is for individuals who have committed their lives to volunteer service for their religion. Yes, they signed billion-year contracts for after this life and many, many more lives dedicated to the fucking Sea Org at age 9, 10, 5. Basically, these children are put into this organization to work as slave labor for the Sea Org, which is supposed to better humanity through this like science that LRH... Eh, I'm going to call him that because it's easier. And yeah. my last podcast on the left guys call that. And I think it's hilarious. Um, has organized. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's disgusting in other words. So what actually happens in the sea org is that children work 12 to 16 hours a day for around $20 a week. If anything at all, they do not get paid. They work every single day and they do not see their families. So these children and family members are taught in Scientology to not raise their children and that Scientology will raise their children because that's the way it should be for the good of humanity. Yes. So Leah was not raised by her mother, nor her sisters or anybody else. No. She was raised by Scientology. I mean, or she was child slave labor. Yes. And this is abuse. Yes. It's abuse. She received no education. Mm-mm. No. And, and in fact, when she was, I think, around 15 or 16, she was what they call an auditor. So she was on the other side of a piece of equipment called an e-meter auditing adults. And what auditing is, is think of like a therapy session where 
This person on the other side is asking you very personal questions about your life. They're reading the e-meter and they're basically asking you the same question over and over and over again, including sexual questions, questions about abuse, questions about, um, I mean, just think of the most fucked up shit you could ever ask somebody. They ask you because you as the person being audited is supposed to not react. That's the point. That's how you go clear. Ugh. Again, we could wormhole on this all day. Yeah, it's, it's just fucking ridiculous. Insanity. Anyway, I digress. Basically, the whole point is to suppress your emotions so you can go clear to remove the thetans from your body. Yes, they believe space aliens are attached on and inside every part of your fucking body. Congratulations. That's what happens after, uh, what, level eight or some shit that Tom Cruise is at. Oh, my God. Oh, big pie. Like, Scientology secret. Watch the South Park episode. It actually is pretty comprehensive. Anyway. In 1989, I know, I could go for days. I could just talk about Scientology this whole time. Yeah, but we're not going to. <laughs> we're not going to, because the last thing I want, and this is one thing I definitely want to make sure of, is for Leah, I don't want her story to only be associated with Scientology. And I think that's the, that's the piece here that I want to get away from, is that, yes, this was a very big part of her life, but it made her who she is today and... We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So in 1989, uh, at an age 19, Leah got her first part um, as an actress on Who's the Boss? So I don't know if you guys have heard that show or seen that show, but it's really pretty great. And um, really? yeah, so, and then in 1991, she was on The Man of the Family. And then she had a recurring part in the summer episodes for Say by the Bell. Oh my God. So anyway, I have got to show you this because it is like one of the best things I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, I remember these episodes really well. I used to love the summer episodes because they always used to do this thing um, on Save the Bell where they would go to the beach and spend like the whole summer there working at like some beach club or some shit. Do you remember yeah. this? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so she was like the, the daughter of the person who like ran the place. You remember? Yes. <laughs> I do. Why do you look sad? Why do you look sad right now? Don't be sad. It's, it's good. Save the Bell. Y'all need to watch this shit because it's great. Y'all are missing out. Originally, I was a Slater. No, originally, I was a Zach fan. Then I went Slater. Then I went back to Zach. Because, like, once you go Zach. Don't say it, please. I don't have to finish it. We all know. But, dude, at the end, busted. Amazing. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> Leah's having this great Hollywood career. It's kind of something she's always wanted to do. Um, they moved to um, L.A., and there is a large Scientology uh, center there for, shockingly, Celebrities, the celebrity mm -hmm. centers there. Scientology figured out at a very young age, back in like the 60s and 70s, LRH was basically like, hey, if we can get people of, of note to like glom onto this new science I have, people are going to think it's legit. So he's not a fucking idiot. He's a genius if you think about it that way. And so that's why they have all these like people like Elizabeth Moss and, you know, Danny Masterson and all these like celebrities still in Scientology promoting Scientology because it, it makes them look good, you know? But anyway, 
She went on to be on Cheers and even auditioned for the role of Monica Geller on Friends. But Courtney Cox got it. Um, and then in 1998, at age 28, she got the role of a lifetime as Carrie Heffernan in The King of Queens, which amazing. I love that show. I fucking love that show. It's great. I love that show. I know. And it ran for nine seasons until May of 2007. So um, I'm going to play you a real quick clip because here's the thing. With Scientology, it's not just about like you being a Scientologist. It is also about anyone else around you. So they want to convert you and anyone else you know to Scientology, right? So Kevin James James was her co-star at the time. He's hilarious, by the way. His, his stand-up's pretty great. Um, and this is Leah's statement about what Scientology asked her to do with Kevin. Basically, she's saying like, go convert him, bring him over to Scientology. We want him on board. And she's like, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Like, he's not into this shit, right? And, you know, Leah's a really outspoken person in mm -hmm. general in life. And even when she was younger, she was like, okay, you know, so she always had to kind of, she, she was always kind of questioning things. And then she would get an answer and she'd be like, oh, okay. Because she believed, she truly, truly believed that this religion was like going to help her. You know, she grew up in it. Why would my mom bring me into this thing that's not real, right? Yeah. Makes sense. So again, go watch and listen to, watch the show The Aftermath and listen to Fair Game Podcast and you can hear a ton more stories like that. Um, but she definitely erred on the side of her gut feeling at the end of the, the day, which I really admire because even though there was a strong pressure to be this perfect Scientologist and get people in, yeah, no. She wasn't playing that game. So in 2003, she met and married and, uh, actor Angelo P Pagan. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm butchering his last name. Um, and they met back in 1996. Um, he has three boys from a previous marriage. They have one daughter together, Sophia, who was born in 2004. And they actually baptized her as a Catholic, which I thought was interesting. Because, I mean, allegedly Scientology allows other religions to exist because it's a science and not like a thing uh religion and yet it kind of it, it, it says it's a science it says it's a religion it con constantly contradicts itself and yet here we are so this is when her life starts to change august of 2007 we're in primo Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes mode. Oh, yeah. You remember these years? Yeah. We're right before Britney has the breakdown or like on the cusp. This is when the, this is when paparazzi was like real hardcore, hardcore, right? I was so excited Katie Holmes got out of that. It, me too. And I'm so excited that her daughter has nothing to do with Tom Cruise. And that's, that's why Katie was like, I, that's actually, I mean, she doesn't say it. But like, I, I've heard rumors, especially on listening to this podcast that, you know, the reason she got out is because she didn't want her daughter to have anything to do with that shit. So in August of 2007, Shelly Miscavige went missing. So this is, Shelly Miscavige is the wife of the man who now runs Scientology, David Miscavige, okay? So when L. Ron Hubbard, LRH, died, or allegedly shook off this earthly coil, or, you know, earthly body and fucking transcended. And he's late for coming back to planet Earth. 
and they lay his clothes out every day in one of his five fucking houses. In 1989, David Miscavige took over and announced to the world that he had basically ascended to a higher plane, okay? Anyway, so David took over and he married Shelly. They were both in the Sea Org. And Lee and Shelly were really good friends, okay? So they were all invited to Tom and Katie's wedding. And um, I might be getting some of the details wrong here, but anyway. When Leah didn't see Shelly at the wedding, she was like, that's kind of weird. Because her, Tom Cruise, Katie, David, they're all kind of in this circle. They're all like hanging out together all the time. She's like, that's weird. Where's your wife? You know, it's kind of a big fucking deal. Tom Cruise is getting married in, in Italy in this like castle. Where's your wife? He's like, oh yeah, you know, brush it off, whatever. So she started questioning a lot more things after that. She was like, okay, that's weird. And she started asking around, has anyone seen Shelly? Have you, have you talked to her? And they're like, oh yeah, no, I think she's fine. Um, this incident was really the catalyst that eventually led her to leaving that church of Scientology in July of 2013. She was then disconnected from her family and declared an SP, no, not a shit pothole, a suppressive person, and they started fair gaming her. So what fair gaming means is essentially following her with private investigators that they hire with off the books money that they get from parishioners, and you have to prepay for all of Scientology's services upfront, whether or not you receive the service, and then if you ever leave Scientology, um, and you've been working for the Sea Org or any of their organizations, what they do is then charge you again for services that they themselves have told you that you have to get in order to become clear. It's fucking insane. So these people are being fair gamed, which basically means you're being followed around. Um, they're taking photos of you. They're creating these nasty websites like what I read before. Like, all of this shit, they're basically harassing you. I mean, fuck, Mike Rinder has a story of, like, this lady who was hired by a private investigation firm to move across the street from him and his wife. This girl had a daughter, and the whole point was to become friends with their family so that she could then tell information back to Scientology on Mike Rinder's ass after he left Scientology. It's a criminal organization, y'all, straight up. Mm -hmm. So this is what's happening to her. And I don't know, again, if you know who Leah Remini is or ever seen her, she doesn't fucking play that shit at all. <laughs> In August of 2013, Leah finally was like, fuck it. Filed a missing persons report for Shelly to the LAPD who did a follow-up wellness check, again in quotes. And they said that they talked to someone who said that she was Shelly and that she's fine and then left. This is pretty common hands-off approach, unfortunately, what the church does with law enforcement because the law really doesn't understand how cults work, truthfully. They don't understand that people are coerced. They don't understand that people say things against their will. They don't understand that that person may or may not actually be Shelly um, or that the person at the door is being coerced or the nurse actually isn't a nurse. It's a person who's from inside the church. I mean, like, there's all of this crazy bat shit stuff that this church does for people to stay in essentially the you know the church so here is why leah is one of the best people that we could be talking about is the fact that the whole reason why she left is obviously that i mean you know she's having hor horrific experiences you know with herself and her family and everything else 
But at the end of the day, you know, she has a daughter to take care of, right? Sophia. And this is one of the things that she was really, you know, wants to make sure that her daughter has a better life than she did. So um, I found this amazing clip uh, from Oprah where, you know, she talks about Leah and basically her story and everything. And one of the main reasons why she left the cult was because of her daughter. You know, she was basically saying, look, I wanted a different path for her. I wanted her to, to not grow up like I did without parents, especially a mother. I'm a mother. I want her to be a strong, powerful person of proud of who she is. And she wants her to question everything, you know? And she started to see all this shit go down and she was like, nope, not at all. I am, we're done here. So she stood up for herself and for her daughter and for her family. And that's really hard. Cause she was in there for 30 years, mm -hmm. which I mean, shit. I don't know about you. That would be that would be hard to do anything different after 30 years. Um, so yeah, so after that, she wrote a book. She got offered um, the show The Aftermath by MC. Um, and now they have Fair Game Podcast because they're not recording episodes. Um, partially due to COVID and then also um, they didn't get, I don't know if they have another season coming or whatever. But her and Mike Rinder, our guy, Mike Rinder used to be a very high up person in Scientology. What would he, what was he? He was like the guy who ran like an enforcement department or some shit, right? Yes. I can't remember what I was called. Um, yeah, it's some stupid, Scientology renames everything. Most cults do in order to basically, you know, isolate you and whatever the hell it is from the rest of society. Um, in order to be like special and different. And also, it's also a brainwashing technique that's very common that a lot of cults use. Um, so Mike Rinder got out in 2007. He was a senior executive. Senior executive. So this guy was the guy, and you can see clips of him talking to news people pre him getting out in 2007, literally berating people, being a nasty piece of shit to a ton of people because that's what the church told him to do, church. Um, so yeah, they're both on this podcast right now. They're currently fighting to have Scientology removed as a church in the eyes of the U S government. No shit for them to face their actions with all the abuse, fraud and neglect charges. And, um, on a recent episode, they even say that they really don't care if you believe in Scientology and the science, that's fine. Believe what you want to believe. The, the issue is they just want this abuse of power to stop because there's quite a bit of it. If you are following the Danny Masterson case right now, Hyde from that 70s show, which is so upsetting because I fucking love Hyde. It's, it's so fucking upsetting. But part of the reason why he got away with raping those women for so many years is that the church hid it for a lot of, yeah, a lot of years and took those girls and had them be audited and basically say, well, blaming, victim blaming, essentially. And I'm really curious to see where this goes because if he loses his case, what does this mean for Scientology, right? It, it might be an in for these people who, these lawyers who've been fighting against us for years to get in there. We'll see. I know, I know, it's really crazy, but anyway. That's her fight now. Leah's like, cool, we're not doing this anymore. Leah does still 
like do movies and TV shows. Um, in fact, she starred on uh, Kevin James's last television show. I think she was on like the season finale, which is cool. Um, but her main fight now is this, which God bless, get it. She also has a shit ton of charities that she supports. And this is just like a couple of them. Child USA, which is ending child abuse and neglect. Shocker. The Aftermath Foundation. Recommend everybody takes a look at it. If you can donate, please, definitely. Helps people get out of Scientology. Because here's the thing with cults. You go into them with nothing, and you come out of them with nothing. Probably less than nothing. Less than nothing, mm -hmm. yeah. Imagine being 40, 50 years old and having no credit score, no high school education, no job history, no income, no savings, no car, no house, nothing. Period. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Um, you've disconnected with all your family, who may still be in Scientology or not, all your friends, everybody you've ever known, all of it. It's like being reborn, essentially, at 40, 50 years old. Mm -hmm. So that's what this foundation does is go, we're going to help you get back on your feet. Like, go from here to there, get a job, be able to get credit scores so you can get a house and provide for your family. I mean, truly great work. Um, she also supports lots of domestic shelters and I'm going to put a link up on our website with all this other information, but that is the abbreviated version of Leah. I could literally go on for so much longer about all the, the amazing work she's doing. She is personally like, I mean, ugh, lawyers and trying to get litigation and I mean, it's just incredible work that we fully support because end of the day, believe what you want to believe. You know, th th there's nothing wrong with believing whatever religion you want to believe in. The issue here is people are being hurt and abused and taken advantage of. And, you know, there's money behind all this shit. And unfortunately, because they have a lot of money, they have a lot of power. Like a lot of lawyers, a lot of like hell, like just political power. So U.S. government, get on it. Look into this shit. Look into it. It's the IRS. Yeah. And you want to know how they got the nonprofit status? They bullied the IRS so much that in the 70s through the 90s that they actually just gave up and gave them nonprofit status. So if that gives you any indication of Leah's hard work. I need nonprofit status. <laughs> Shit, right? No taxes? <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> I'm not in that tax bracket. <laughs> I know, right? The, the Church of Scientology tax bracket? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So this is why I'm taking SP back. Because you, I am a suppressed person. You are too. We're absolutely SPs, 100%. Um, and yeah, you don't get to just like have uh, an acronym for yourself. So get fucked. And yeah, that is the, the story of Leah and her hard work. Of my best friend. Of your bestie. Call me. Did you learn something new? Um, I did not know Sophia was baptized Catholic. Yeah. Oh, and so from right now, from what I understand, I think Leah is like more into Catholicism at this point. She talks about having somewhat of a religion on mm -hmm. the podcast. I just didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and granted, it's not her business, of course, but from what I can tell, I think she is, uh, her and her family and side note, her mom didn't get out. Her sisters got out. I think she may have one or two family members still in. But um, yes, it has been good because she does have most of her family back now, which is mm -hmm. great. It's a good thing. And again, mental fucking health. 
is important. If you or anybody you know is in a cult, whatever the hell else, please help them in any way you can. It's really tough, but when they get out, oh my God, the therapy, you have got to, you have got to. Because it's just so much rewiring their brain. Well, and you have to have a special therapist too. Yes, yeah. It takes a long time to to cope with that kind of thing. So Leah's a big mental health proponent. Mm -hmm. Talks about it all the time, and so do we. So please, um, definitely take a look at that. But uh, yeah, that's Leah. That's my my other bestie that doesn't know she's my bestie. (laughs) So who do we have now? We got Leah, we got Mike, we got um, Brittany... Kelly. Kelly. Pink. Pink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chrissy Teigen's my bestie that doesn't yeah. know she's my bestie. Yep. Yep. She got cute kids. God, her I kids know. are so cute. Yeah. <sighs> I'm now making myself sound crazy, so maybe <laughs> we should end this. Okay. <laughs> Thanks y'all so much for listening to us, and as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.